0: The Stroke of Genius Podcast, hosted by Brain Aneurysm and Stroke Survivor. All right, let's got that. I already fucked, already messed up. Hold on. Let me, let me, uh, let me uh, take two. Welcome to Stroke TV, a Stroke of Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Abla. I'm a Brain Aneurysm and Stroke Survivor, and... The guest I have on today is Kimberly Miner, and she is an amazing woman. She is the, the reason I built this platform, to, to highlight those people that have gone through a certain, uh, certain event, like wide amen and turned it around to something positive, and turned it around to have people. So let's get into it. The Stroke of Genius Podcast Hosted by brain aneurysm and stroke survivor Aaron Avila, sharing the experiences of survivors and CEOs. This is your destination for inspiration. And there she is, Kimberly Money herself. How are you doing, Kimberly?
1: I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. How are you, Aaron?
0: Really, really appreciate being here. I'm so excited because, really, when I tell those. Survivor CEO, you are exactly a survivor CEO. You are the 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 reason I built this platform. So I am so happy you're here. Really, thank you for me, here Kimberly.
1: Oh uh, well, it is my honor to be here with you, Erin. You are such a pleasure to be around all the time. So
0: very kind. But you know, let's jump right into it. Um really you are you're you're, you've taken your survivor of domestic abuse and you've taken that into becoming a CEO. But let's first, the first 15 minutes or so, let's talk about your, your experience with domestic abuse and your survival. So please have at it. Tell us about, about your adventure, about your life experience. Yeah. You know, it
1: was a you know, a very long journey uh, that I've gone through. And, you know, uh, my journey is one that uh, is not unique. Uh, So many uh, of my uh, story, so many women uh, find themselves in that exact position and probably are in that same position right now um, where they feel like they have no voice um, they're struggling whether you know they should stay, should they leave? They don't feel like they can get out of that position. Uh, you know, when I was uh, with uh, my first husband, uh, you know, I was with him for 13 years and was married for 10 years, and it took me three times of filing of divorce before I actually finally left him. So. There's a you know preconceived uh, notion that you know you should just get out, and it's not that simple. Um, you have this um, what they call this trauma bond of you know feeling that uh, that you can fix it and that um, that you know they call it you know where they they'll come back and say that they'll be different and. Um, that, you know, where you kind of go through this like honeymoon phase, and that, uh, you know, that he kept making promises that, you know, things would be different. And that hunting food phase kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter, um, where, you know, things would go back to, you know, the way they were. And, you know, life would get, very uh you know disruptive and unpredictable and um i never knew what was going to happen from day to day and uh you know he was an alcoholic and then he became you know he had back issues and then became addicted to the pain pills and alcohol and pain pills never mix well together and so that became even more, you know, unpredictable of what was going on. And, um, you know, the, so, you know, you were not only dealing with, you know, his personality, but you were dealing with the personality that, you know, um, you know uh, uh, alcohol created. You were dealing with that personality, too. So you were dealing with different, different personalities all the time that uh made it very difficult to not and it was like a light switch too so you know he would be one person one moment and you you know something would trigger and it would be like a light switch and he would go from being okay to not okay within a matter of like seconds and you know you would never be prepared for you know, what that would be. And um, it was very unnerving. And, you know, everything was, you know, what that would perpetuate that um, was always my fault. And uh, I lived in this perpetual state of, um, I always like to describe it as autopsy, you know, the conversations of going, going through and trying to figure out how Um, what it is that I did or how I did something or my existence of like how I could have done something different to not have created whatever it was or whatever circumstances we were in or whatever we were going through, like how everything could have, I could have done something differently so that, you know, the situation could not have been at this way it was because obviously everything was my fault. So that was exhausting because that's how I lived pretty much, you know, every day, all day long, 12 hours a day of thinking that, you know, I was responsible for everything that went on is that, you know, literally that, you know, everything was my fault. And so um, I lived in this perpetual state of, of, feeling you know in constant conflict of you know of that you know being upset but then going oh well wait a minute you know he's only upset because i did something that you know i obviously created and if i hadn't created you know or tried to Use my opinion or my voice, or if I wasn't so strongly opinionated or feel like I needed something or whatever else, that you know it wouldn't have happened. And so, um, it was extremely exhausting. Yeah, a- well,
0: that's amazing I mean, there's a couple of points I can't imagine being a self-imposed guilt. You're you making yourself guilty when you did nothing wrong.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, uh, I was I was talking I, with someone yesterday, and I was trying to explain to them is that you know I had a career uh, that uh, was a career that um, I had to travel for it, and I made the money for the family and stuff, and so uh, you know he. Uh, took the position that, uh, you know, he would go and uh, he would cash his check and he would decide what he felt comfortable contributing for the family each week. And um, his position was, is that it wasn't his fault or um, that I would have to travel. So therefore, if I had to travel, then um, if he had to take care of the kids, then he would charge me a babysitting fee for um, taking care of the kids. And then he would deduct that amount of what he felt he would contribute to the family. And so oh, that would cons- cause a tremendous amount of stress for me because then he would be angry that he would have to extend extra amount of time that he would have to do these all these different things but yet on the other side, it was my responsibility to make sure that I was, you know, bringing in that money and that would be going into the joint account, which then he would be using that money that would be going into the joint account. So then but then if the money ran out in the joint account, then it was my fault because money would be gone. And I, you know, it would be, you know, I would uh the ostracized of like how irresponsible I was and and oh I was the one that we don't have money we can't can't go do things or whatever or mm-hmm. whatever else well, I was beginning it from like all sides like there was no winning so like if I had to go out of town I would make arrangements for my kids to go stay at a sitter's house and stuff because like I would At least i could breathe knowing and like relax knowing that my kids would be taken care of and they would get to the things they need to go to um versus them being able to stay in their own home and knowing that you know whether or not he could you know take care of them or if they were going to get taken care of or if they would go to where they need to go to because it wasn't his responsibility and and you know he would Twist it around saying, well, you know, it's not my responsibility and you're the one that happens to have a job uh, that requires you to do that. And that doesn't fall on my shoulders to, you know, to do those things, so.
0: Kimberly, I I gotta tell you, I am just shocked. I'm, I'm just shocked that someone could be so cruel to another person, but I am curious because I have, I have had my own um, experience of abuse. And I'm curious, that person you mentioned, you know, he, he had to break, the, the abuser has, has to break that person. They have to break your spirit, break who you are so they can dominate you, to manipulate you,
1: right? Oh, absolutely. It, it, you know, he came in when I met him he came into my life at a time where uh, I had been told that I could no longer dance. And so I was at a point where I was feeling no worth, no. I had no self-esteem, no confidence and stuff. And so, you know, I couldn't really see, you know, the, the baggage that he came with. All I knew is that he filled a void that was going on in my life. And so, you know, nobody could have told me. And so um, when I could see the things that were going on, uh, one, I thought I could fix it. And, you know, I would do anything at any cost of not setting healthy boundaries for myself. And I would do anything to try to like, feel like love for myself. And so, you know, I've Spent a lifetime of sacrificing myself uh, between him and it, it's, you know, because I wasn't getting it in my marriage or whatever, it bled over into relationships and business and in friends of, you know, doing, overextending myself and doing whatever I could do um, for other people at the expense of myself, you know uh it 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 would even go as far as like financially and stuff i would do whatever i could for others um at the expense of myself just for a moment of you know people to like me to to feel loved to feel accepted because i wasn't getting where i should have been getting it um just for that opportunity and it took me years of, you know, therapy and self-evaluation and looking at myself and saying that, you know what, I'm this beautiful person and I have amazing qualities and stuff and I need to stop looking for other people to fulfill that, that uh, I'm good enough for just as who I am and um, that I don't need to look for for it from other people, um, no matter who they are and Wherever it is, whether it be in business or uh, friendships or family or, you know, um, partnerships that uh, um, I have to have it within myself. And um, if they're not willing to meet me, you know, halfway, then that relationship, no matter what it is, it's not uh, it isn't the relationship that is meant to be.
0: You had mentioned something in the groom room before the show we were talking about. I was floored. First of all, let me make for the record. First of all, this issue is chops my hide. And if you're a man out there, abusing a warm shame on you. You need to get this as the lowest form a man can do. Two. If you're abused, being abused right now, Kimberly, and I want to advise you. Please call the toll-free number that you see at the bottom of your screen, and it's a, it is a domestic violence helpline. So please call. There is hope. Yeah, uh, you know, I just that statistic you told me one woman out of four is abused. I just blown away at that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, uh, it's, it's horrific what women will uh, endure and go through when they uh, feel like they have no voice, they have no way out, and uh, feel like they don't have any resources or anything else, and they're Told over and over again, that they're stupid, that who's going to take them, who's going to believe them, or they're scared to tell, you know, tell, you know, I didn't tell my family anything that, you know, was going on. Uh, there's still so much of what happened that I, to this day, uh, don't, you know, don't tell my family, you know, of what's, you know, gone on and stuff, um, because I don't feel that it's their burden to carry, you know, and so um, I choose not not to share you know those you know those stories you know with them and stuff and the things that they have learned and stuff it's very difficult for them to process you know that because uh you know you care about that loved one and uh you know things could have been so much different had they really known to the depth of the things that were were transpiring you know basically right in front of them um that's hard for them to, to process. Um, so.
0: I can't imagine the feeding of, of guilt, you know, obelisks, of feeding at your fault. that right there will trap you into the abuse to stay there because you always think it's your fault. Therefore you, you have no right to leave, but we're, Let's pause for just a minute, take a, take a quick second to have a commercial. Hold on, let me play a commercial. No, 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 we belong together. Well, we're back you know, Kimberly, you, my, my, I am so impressed with you. I cannot tell you how much respect I have for you for what you've been through, and their body mean, the we're in the second segment. What we know, we've heard about some of your abuse, what you went through. Now, now watch this. What you what you've done? You've taken what you've abused, You've taken your suffering. You've taken what you've experienced on very negative. Uh, survival experience. You've turned into something great. What have you done? What have you built? What have you done with what you went through?
1: Well, you know, I've taken uh, this 25 years of of, uh, struggles and uh, the journey that I've been on of uh, finding my uh, inner self-worth and confidence and self-esteem and uh, my greatest um, uh, thing that I wanted w- for other uh, domestic violence survivors was is the number one thing was for myself was that, um, you know, when I looked at it is that I thought I'd, I didn't want anyone else to go through all the years that I went through of, What I felt was um, so many stumbling things that had I uh, faced them head on and had somebody by my side that reached out and said, I get what you're going through and I'm going to be right here with you to show you how to go through that. Um, Had I had that, um, I just think of how the trajectory of my life of all those adult years, could have been so much different and could have had so many turns that would have been so different. And um, that was important to me that uh, it needs to be different for uh, the survivors that are coming out of it. And domestic violence is the most misunderstood uh, uh, thing that is out there. Most think that, oh, just get out of it and just move forward with your life. And uh, it is not just like this thing that you get out of and life just kind of begins and you just kind of boom. It's like the next day starts and you just kind of move on. Uh, It's like someone who has gone through war and they get suffer from PTSD, uh, there is a tremendous amount of uh, work that has to be done to work through to actually find out uh, who you are to actually feel like you can make life decisions. Uh, You have to, uh, I, I describe it as a person, you are a person that is like an onion. And you have to peel back all the layers and stuff to get to the middle to find out, uh, you know, what opinion you have about life. What is your focus? Like, what kind of purpose do you have? Uh, Do you know how to, you know, figure out what your thought process is on things um, to have enough worth and confidence that you know that you're going to be able to make it when you know that um, you? weren't able to get an education so that you know that you have enough confidence that right now that you're going to need to have three jobs and that it is that you have enough confidence knowing that three jobs that you're going to make it through that hard time right now for yourself and your kids to, you know, get through that period of time to know how to, you know, reach out to resources and stuff. And when you're getting pulled by the court systems and by the, uh, the things that that offender's doing to try to knock you off of your your you know um, uh, teeter totter that you're going to be able to keep that balance going instead of having a teeter totter go like this, um, doing all those things and stuff. And so it was important for me to establish a, a foundation that uh, where we have a program that shows you how to start looking at all those different. Uh, conglomerate of things that are going on and build a foundation of finding out who you are, finding your own self-worth and your confidence and self-esteem so that you know how to start finding a purpose in your life and uh, finding uh, confidence and figuring out what are those triggers for yourself and why why are the triggers? Where do they come from? So that you can figure out uh, what. Is the best thing for you to um, how to rewrite the history for yourself? How to start writing positive, you know, attributes for yourself to uh, start doing a mind shift. You know how to re, re uh, uh, rewrite how you talk about things, how you say things to people and stuff, so you can start, you know, redoing things of how you talk to people in different relationships you have and stuff. So it's really an intensive program to really uh, rewrite how uh, you look at yourself and start taking time for yourself and looking at yourself, so that you can, uh, you know, look at yourself as a an ident uh, identity yourself, um, knowing that you are a person.
0: So use Turner Foundation to help other women from. What is the name of your? Um, your name?
1: Uh, it's Envision You Victory Over Violence.
0: And so, you guys, what kind of support do you offer? See, we have someone out there right now. Watch this podcast. Or let's listen to this podcast that's suffering, going through the feeling trapped. What does your foundation offer that woman that's domestic
1: abused right now? yeah uh th- thanks for asking is that um you know somebody who's uh gone through it and they're at that point of uh you know really trying to like figure out of gosh you know i'm feeling that pull we can help them through that you know they're really suffering of like you know i don't understand where all these thoughts are coming our program helps you through that you know um I, I don't how do people, to how out
0: do people get a hold of you that that are going through it? How do they, how do they interrupt you a little bit?
1: There's a couple ways to get a hold of us. Uh, one is through our website, envisionyouvictory.org, um, or they can uh, contact me through my email. is Kimberly at envisionyouvictoryoverviolence.com. So those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. Uh, so that way we can um, directly connect with you uh, and make sure to uh, be able to talk with you uh, at any time. So we are this is
0: totally confidential. They, when Absolutely.
1: Confidential. Everything is all confidential. Nothing is um, out there, you know, in the public. So you will be taken care of. We're available uh, uh, seven days a week. So we are available for you, Um, you know, and if we are not available right that second, uh, somebody will be back in touch with you uh, really quickly, you know, so.
0: What an amazing service you're giving people. What I find, you know, it always seems easy for us to, to sit on the outside and say, well, just leave. But in all reality, so many nuances, so much guilt, so much suppression, so much loss of identity for the person that's being abused. They can't leave. And so I would recommend you listen to this podcast, and you're in a place, and you're being abused. Please reach out to Blaze Foundation. She will help you really, really want you to do that because you have a voice. You are value, right? I mean, that's really what you lose. You lose your voice when you're abused.
1: Well, and if I can mention one last thing, Aaron, one of the things that we have uh, started this year too is that those that are going through our program and are just getting their first home is that we have partnered uh, with... uh, uh, a program out here that we give them a voucher and um, they get all the things they need to um, get all their household goods and stuff. So uh, we are getting them all set up, which is all about getting them to feel good about, you know, uh, building confidence and self-worth and stuff that, hey, you know what, we're here to support you and get you up and going.
0: Wow, that is really awesome. You know, again, you'll see in the bottom ticker, we put company's website on there and put their contact email. I encourage you. There's nothing that breaks my heart more than knowing that this is occurring. Remember, one in four women are being abused. and. You can believe thank you for being out there. Thank you for being on the podcast. I'm really yeah, you know, our show is over. And I really I really cannot thank you enough for doing what you're doing. You, you go from survivor to CEO and you make an award up in the place. So I really, really appreciate that. So in closing, what would you say as a woman listening to the podcast that feels trapped right now? What advice would you give her?
1: My biggest word of advice is that um, all it takes is one second. Just take one second and do uh, use your voice and let someone know um, that's all it takes. And then you know what your life you get the life that you're asking for is that there is a there is another side and we're all here for you.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine seeing who I'm talking to you right now. I can't imagine something like you going through what you did. So kudos to you and love energy away your way for what you're doing. And if there's anything that stroke of genius I guess we can promote for you in the future, please lean on us. If you want to come on to a quick little segment and we'll promote an event, we'll do it. We're here for you. We, you got it. yeah, my 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 uh word fully to what you're doing. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you again for being here, Kimberly.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Aaron. All right. Fire. We're done. That's great.